It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your host, Adam Force. Thanks for joining the Change Creator Podcast show. Hope you guys are doing well today. I'm pumped because we just launched our special edition with Tony Robbins. Um, Wow, what an incredible, incredible edition of the magazine for Change Creator that turned out to be. Um, Tony really dives into some really powerful insights about creating a successful life and business. I mean, this is what we're aiming to do. And part of his story there is, you know, living and working, doing something that's bigger than yourself. Um, There is mission plus money. Um, Really exciting stuff. So definitely want to check that out. You can read it for free in the app store when you subscribe because you get a one month free trial. Uh, In there, you're also going to find incredible stories with Rachel Fowler from Tone Lay, who is disrupting the fashion industry. And we did a really cool uh, write up on Patagonia and the founder Yvonne and his values and the mission based uh, company that he's built to support the environment. Um, So lots of really killer uh, insights throughout the whole magazine. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking to Daphne Tideman, and we're going to jump into the world of marketing, growth hacking specifically. Um, This is a company called Rock Boost, uh, where she works in the Netherlands. And we actually not long ago interviewed the founder, Chris Out. Uh, Daphne is part of that team, and she's going to share with us some uh, case studies and insights on on growth hacking to help you push your uh, company forward. Um, So we're going to dive into that conversation with Daphne right now now. And um, don't forget, guys, stop by the iTunes store. Leave us a review uh, for the magazine, for the podcast. Those reviews are absolutely priceless in helping us keep these things moving. Uh, We need your support. And we really do. I know it's a pain in the butt, but we really do appreciate your your taking a couple minutes just to do that. Uh, Without further ado, let's talk to Daphne and see what she has to say. Hey, Daphne, thanks so much for joining the show today. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to chat. You know, I'm on, I'm on a tear right now, just exploring the world of growth hacking. So um, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Um, and you know, as usual, I just want to kick it off a little bit to give people who are listening a little background. Um, so if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and just um, you know how you got into this this field of growth hacking and working with Rock Boost right now. Sure. Um... I've actually studied something completely different. I did finance and investments. Mm. So a lot of people are immediately asking, okay, how the hell did you end up doing growth hacking? Yeah. Uh, And that was because I always really liked marketing, but I chose not to study it because I just found it so fluffy. Yeah. Yeah, I found that uh, in marketing, they didn't really measure things and that it was too much just about this branding without actually saying, okay, why are we doing the things we're doing? How are we making sure we're improving and how are we actually measuring things? So growth hacking was actually the perfect combination for me um, because it was not only uh, marketing, but also had that data and analytics side of finance. And it always worked with startups. So it was also really great to actually start working for a startup um, and use my knowledge from that as well. Mm. Very cool. And so how long now you've been uh, working with Rock Boost? Uh, nearly a year and a half now. Awesome. It's 
since near the beginning. Yeah. So I guess, so tell me then what you've been, um, you know, doing with them and how you've been supporting uh, clients. And I guess, I, I think, you know, you guys have a range of clients from startups to well-established, you know, corporate entities. So I'm just curious, we can tap into that stuff. And um, I guess let's start with startups. You know, our, our audience, um, for the most part, are people who are trying to get their businesses off the ground. So what kind of stuff are you doing with those startups? And then we can we can dive a little deeper into those things. Sure. So we do a range of things uh, with startups. We not only uh, consult them and also provide workshops for them, but we even have a special mastermind course for startups uh, because a lot of startups in a very, very early phase, they can't afford uh, to actually have consultants come in. So we actually even have a startup mastermind course, which is a group of startups where we meet with them. Uh, well, Chris, um, one of our founders, meets with them uh, every month and actually guides them uh, through applying our own process uh, mm. to help them grow. Mm. And, and so I guess how, how do you personally look at, you know, growth hacking um, and, and define it? Uh, well, for me, growth hacking is really just data-driven marketing. I think that's the uh, most important distinguisher is the fact that it's data-driven and the fact that we're not just trying to uh, uh, push something, but we're also trying to develop the product. So constantly taking a step back and looking at what you're doing, looking at what's working and not, what that's where the data comes in, and actually using that to improve your product. And, and the ideas that come out of that, though, can range now. So we're, do you agree it's a departure from traditional marketing and starting to require, you know, more than just the creative marketing role, but, you know, engineering or product development. So it could be a range of things. So there, is, there, is there some combination of those, um, I guess, areas that come into play now when you're looking at, so here's the data, let's come up with this idea to get scale and it might require X, Y, and Z departments, right? Yeah, for sure. I've, uh, for us, really, growth hackers are actually between the departments. Um, so we say that the growth hacking skill set is made up of uh, three different areas, creative marketing, uh, data and analytics, and then also the, what you were saying, the more technical side of it, so the programming. Yeah. So we also actually require that all of our growth hackers are able to do basic programming, have different data analysis skills, have different creative marketing skills, because they're going to be working not just with the marketeers of a company, but also with the uh, developers, with the designers, with the product owners. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they need to be able to work with all these different departments and so, but now in a startup, you know, we're bootstrapping and I want to talk yeah. about that because, you know, so many of us are out there bootstrapping and can be very expensive. Traditional marketing is, gets very expensive and, you know, you hear you are testing distribution channels and money can go out the door and not come back very quickly. So, <clears throat> you know, how do we reduce that, um, you know, that churn of, of wasted resources? And you're saying, look at the data. You know, come with ideas that make sense, and and I guess what if you don't have those people in place, you know, um, all these different teams and departments to help support some of these ideas, is that something that you guys are like? Are you kind of like facilitating that gap for those for those people to be that part of the team, or how are they? How are these startups managing that stuff if they don't have teams like that? So we can actually offer in-house uh, design and development, which uh, really helps a lot of startups. Because like you said, they don't have a full-time designer. They don't have a full-time developer. 
and uh, so that that's definitely one way that it really uh, that way would help them. And the other way that we do uh, do, and I think this is also really a core part of growth hacking, is high tempo testing. So doing really low budget tests. So you don't have to spend thousands and thousands to figure out what works, but instead just taking a small budget and just running a, a different campaigns for two weeks at a time um, and then seeing from that, okay, what have we learned from this? Is this something we want to pursue further and how can we improve this and keep going on with this if it works? And if it didn't work, what can we learn and implement for the uh, company for the next time? Okay, so do you have an example that might come to mind right now of a type of campaign you might test for two weeks? Like, what, what's an example of something you, you know, you make a list, you prioritize where you want to put your efforts, meaning, you know, based on what kind of return you might get, right? And then you say, all right, let's put our energy towards this one first. So what's an example of something people might go after or that you have maybe done historically? I guess everyone has a unique circumstance, yeah. um, you know, so I'm just curious what that might be. Um. Well, I think the first thing I would say is like uh, when you're doing this, this what's applicable for every single test that you run is uh, defining whether it's successful or not. Um, so having a cost of acquisitions, what's the maximum you pay for a new person based on what the lifetime value is of that customer for you. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that we do for all those campaigns. And to think of a particular campaign, um, so... What kind of tests we run definitely depends on which traction channel um, would be relevant for that client. Mm -hmm. So we do a traction analysis. We look at what they're doing right now and what they could be doing. And then based on that, we decide, from okay, what are we going to be testing? Uh, one example we have was for a lease car. Uh, they were using Google AdWords to get uh, in new clients, but it was quite expensive. And so what we noticed was that there was a lot of organic search uh, for leasing without a certain type of regulation in the Netherlands mm. uh, that a lot of lease companies that do require. And this was actually without even realizing a unique selling point of this lease company. Right. So we just tried uh, tried a few different search words uh, in a separate ad group for them. Um, and we ran that for two weeks. And we actually started seeing that uh, for basically... Uh, 20 euros instead of hundreds of euros we were getting them clients we were actually getting new lease clients for them for just mm -hmm. 20 euros whilst their lifetime value was in the thousands and, and that was where were you doing i guess that advertising was that on specific blogs or adwords or where, where this was adwords this okay. was uh, google adwords it we we just seen um that there was organic traffic coming from uh, this and a, a lot of people were searching for leasing without this, and we were just like, okay, we'll just try this out, we'll test this, and see see whether it works or not. And that's basically what every single test is. It doesn't have to be something crazy like, uh, for example, with the Craigslist of uh, Airbnb. That was just one of their ideas. That was one of the ideas they had, and I'm 100% sure they had 100 others that didn't work out. <laughs> right. <laughs> and <laughs> that's that's what we say we're testing always. It's, you know, 80% isn't going to work so it's even just taking normal traction channels things that every company does like google adwords like facebook looking at the data and thinking okay how could i perhaps actually do this differently what am i missing what what could be a way of doing this so for example a company uh, one of our clients a startup actually um that does uh driving lessons and they free have freelance drivers yeah. for scooters they realize that actually Everyone targeted the uh, children, but 
no one was targeting the parents. So we just set up an ad that was actually targeting these parents, uh, specifically targeting people with children, uh, with teenagers, um, from do you want to give this as a gift to your children? And this was something that no other uh, driving school uh, company was doing. For, so for that, for them, this was their Craigslist hack, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I like that. And, and it, it doesn't have to be a crazy, outrageous idea. I think when people think growth hacking, they're like, all right, this is the unique, you know, we got to do something really, you know, off the, the uh, cuff kind of, you know, you know, um, kind of deal, just like the Airbnb example, right? So for people that don't know Airbnb, they figured out a way to work around the policies that Craigslist had. And so every time someone posted on Airbnb, it would automatically post their listing on Craigslist as well. So they leveraged the Craigslist audience. So that was a growth hack for them to scale up. But, you know, so Daphne, what you're saying, which I really like is, you know, you got to look at your data and find where's there gaps of what you're doing. So just like you identified here, nobody was marketing to the parents. And so now you can look at that as a hypothesis and say, well, maybe if I market to the parents, this is going to be, you know, a, a way to a new market to tap into and increase my, my conversion rates. And, you know, then you test that you're saying for like two weeks, see how it plays out. Um, and when you're doing a test like that, how much money do you put behind um, I guess everyone can invest differently, but is there like a minimum you need to try to put out there at least just to get some statistically relevant feedback? Uh, it really, really depends on the company. Of course, the more money we put in there, the more statistically significant the results will be. But for uh, for really small clients, we even just start out with just 10 euros or so a day um, and just see how that goes. Yeah. And then uh, we want to, of course, ideally have at least a few hundred conversions. But already, you know, the more data you're getting in, the more trends you're seeing. And if we see, for example, okay, we're not 100% sure yet, it's still, you know, around the middle point. Let's optimize it a bit. Let's let it go for on a bit longer. Yeah. So it really also just depends how far is it from what we're going for. Right. If their cost of acquisition is... Uh, 20 euros and it's costing 100 euros well then yeah we could let it go for another two months but the chances of that actually going that much lower is very unlikely right right so before you start these campaigns you obviously have looked at your click-through rates and yeah. cost per acquisition and all those you know acronyms that everyone loves so much um, yeah. to see what numbers <laughs> do I have to get in order to yeah. make sense out of this yeah. right you know otherwise yeah. you're just gonna be you, you if you don't know the numbers yeah. you're gonna be you, you're just gonna be losing money potentially without even knowing yeah it. and I think that's a really really important thing that a lot of uh, companies don't do beforehand um, is actually setting those goals saying for themselves okay this is what I actually want to go for because I had with one client in the very beginning and he, he, the uh, manager came to me uh, completely angry and saying, yeah, the campaign is going terribly. We've got to stop it right now. I was like, okay, why, why do you think it's going terribly? And he goes, yeah, the uh, click-through rate is only 5%. And I, I was like, okay, uh, the click-through rate, uh, this was for a Facebook advertisement, yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, the click-through rate is 5%. Uh, let's go on your analytics. Let's look at the... Um, sorry, not click-through rate. It was, uh, yeah, the click-through rate was 5% and the conversion rate was... I believe 3%, 2% in total on their website yeah. coming from the Facebook ads okay. um, roundabout. And basically I compared it to their other sources of traffic, uh, so from organic, from AdWords, and I saw that actually this Facebook campaign had so much higher for, um, for the click-through rate, for the conversion rate, 
um, then these other sources. But because we hadn't defined it clearly beforehand, he had his expectations somewhere completely else that only once he <laughs> took a step back, they realized like, oh, wait, wait a second. This right. is actually working really well. Exactly. I love that. And for anybody listening, I am going to throw this out there. We did a full rundown on these types of uh, acronyms and the key points that you want to look for and how to uh, what the formula is to actually make sure you know um, the numbers that you need in order to be successful in Facebook marketing or any other types of uh, marketing. They all use the same types of uh, you know acronyms, click-through rates and cost per acquisition. So that is in, um, we actually gave that away uh, with a full uh, write-up in issue three of the magazine. So that's a free archive offer now in the App Store. So you can get that free offer, check it out. Um, <clears throat> that'll run you through all the stuff we're talking about right now. So, okay, okay, so that's all really interesting. Um, and, and, and I'd like to hear your perspective because, you know, we talk, we're talking about the startups and uh, people who are, who are bootstrapping. Um, I guess, do you, so when I think about it, and especially when it comes to working with a team to, to support, um, you know, the marketing efforts, do you guys, is that, I mean, are we talking about, I mean, obviously hiring people and doing all that can be very, very expensive. And it's tempting to say, I'm going to hire a contractor, <laughs> like a single person, you know, and get someone who knows how to do Google AdWords really well. And, you know, we'll start there. Um, you know, I, 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 I've played around with approaches like that. And then I look at a team like yours and you got to say, you know, this is great. You got a whole team here and they, this is all they do. Um, and it's not just about AdWords or one channel or another. They're going to explore the, the full gamut. Um, I guess I'm I'm curious for for those who are startups and bootstrapping if they wanted to work with you guys um, and have that team support almost like hiring a freelancing team if you will what kind of investment is involved in getting started um, obviously like we said these guys are bootstrapping so is it you know is it a five thousand dollar investment to get going a thousand like what should people expect if they they seek you out. Uh, so basically, uh, I think one of the uh, first things that's important to say is that we don't work on project basis. We work long term with companies. So it's a monthly fee. Okay. Uh, and the idea is that basically um, you invest this fee and you're investing in your own growth. So our goal is over time that what you're investing, you're going to see back in your revenues in whatever your one metric that matters is. And that we are setting up one metric that matters. And this is your investment to reach that one metric that matters. I see. Um, so that for those who aren't familiar with one metric that matters, uh, it's basically the concept of setting one overall goals instead of having lots of different KPIs. This is the one thing that you uh, want to focus on and everything you should, uh, you're doing should lead to this, uh, to achieving that one metric. Gotcha. Um, and you guys help so, identify that that metric. Yeah, yeah. Right. We sit together in the beginning, and we have a growth kickoff, and we go through everything uh, with the client, looking at what are they doing now. You know, just basically taking the pulse, and that's when we also decide together from with them what is actually the most important, um, and how are we going to get you there. So we try to avoid uh, keeping it too vague, and just uh, preferably not just revenue, but okay, where do you want that revenue to come from? What is the most important thing? Um, right. So for one client, it'll be email subscribers. For another, it'll be actually uh, customers. Uh, it really depends on the company itself. Yeah, I figured. Okay. And so those... And those... So, to answer, yeah, so to answer your original question, yeah. uh, we start from 1,500 euros a month. Um, and that's our startup uh, fee. 
Uh, and like I said, we do just uh, basically a, a, a pro bono. We do that uh, startup boot, uh, kind of boot camp uh, course, uh, the yeah. startup mastermind. Um, and that's for really small startups. And they basically have to, uh, yeah, send in a uh, submission to that. And right now we have one going on till uh, May. Okay. And you said that's pro bono. That's free for people. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's just uh, that's not the same as what we do for our actual clients. Right, that right. Uh, that's required uh, requires them to do a lot more themselves right. uh, instead of uh, actually you know we, uh, every single um, week, almost every single day, having contact. It's uh, once a month mm. that we meet with them and that we give them a lot of homework to do themselves. Uh, but yeah, that's basically free for startups because we also want to. Um, show that you know if you take our methodology that we've developed the seven pillars of growth hacking that it can work for any company even the smallest companies to the biggest companies right right okay and and so i'm looking at rockboost.com so guys you want to check them out it's rockboost.com um and you're saying so that that pro bono people wanted to get their feet wet um with what you guys are doing obviously it's not as hands-on with um you know connecting but you guys you give them the steps um, yeah. Is that something that's available all the time or you're saying it's like specific time? Like I don't, where do I see that on your website? Uh, it's specific time frames. That's why it's not up there right now because we haven't opened a new course yet. Um, and right now we have the current one running till May. Um, so once that's over, then we'll start opening that up again and putting up, um, if we decide to do another round of it, it'll be again a six month period with a maximum of 20 startups. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So those, yeah, those are those are specifically startups in the Netherlands too, because we give them also a full day training in house, oh, um, okay. and they also come and actually meet up with us in person and walk through everything. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and another thing that I think that we're working on right now that's really, really early stages is online courses. So again, that's something that's interesting for startups with a smaller budget. It's actually learning how to uh, do these things in-house. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. I think people would love that. I mean, especially today, the whole video um, course like approach saves a lot of money, and and then you can visually kind of explain and walk people through things. I think that would be pretty big. Um, so, so the other thing um, I wanted to chat on is, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, read our magazine and listen to what we're doing that are established entrepreneurs, you know, they're social entrepreneurs doing things and, you know, they're building teams and going through these processes and obviously they already have their, their revenues uh, reoccurring and they're doing well. Um, so stepping away from the startup phase and, you know, once you're really in it, is there any difference in approach? What have you seen with some of the larger, more, I guess, corporate-like um, teams that you might have worked with? And how, how does the, is there, is there a difference in the approach, I guess, is what I'm curious. Yeah, for sure, there's a huge difference. Uh, so um, I do think that uh, growth hacking is just as applicable to corporates as startups uh, because they're definitely the ones who are actually doing a lot with huge budgets. I had one client, for example, who spent 25,000 uh, euros on a campaign and they had no idea even what it brought back. And they were like, okay, we're sending it to this webpage. What did it do? I'm like, well, you got 20 views in that week whilst your website usually uh, on that one page, whilst your normal website has, you know, uh, basically hundreds of thousands of views. So right. the, you were paying more than a thousand euros per view, website view, not even a purchase. Um, 
So I really think it's definitely very good for those corporates. Uh, the biggest difference I see is just the flexibility. So um, often with these corporates, it's a lot harder to implement change because you have to go through legal, because you have to go through different departments, because you have to get, you know, three layers of improvement. Yeah. And I think that's one of our um, biggest challenges when working with those corporates. Um, and one of the ways we solve it is actually by uh, when they're setting up a new website mm. uh, is by, uh, so we work together with Dot Control. Um, that was actually uh, the founding company. They did, they're a website agency. Um, so we actually help corporates when they're getting a new website to actually make sure that this website is set up uh, in a data-driven conversion optimization perspective and not just set up, you know, a website that looks good, but is actually uh, optimal for their own customers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's kind of like a little way around it so that we don't have to go through 10 layers of improve, uh, approval to change things about their website, to test things, um, because they've already signed off on getting that new website. Right. Yeah. That's always, obviously the bigger they get, there's more barriers to like approvals yeah. and changing things. And I've noticed that too, in my professional experience, working with large companies, you know, they want to manage everything and it's very hard to do testing, like where you want to rapidly yeah. change things because of those approval processes. So it's a really, it's a really big difference. And For you sure. need to be able to be flexible and nimble. You have to be able to do yeah. quick updates and changes and things like that. Otherwise yeah. you're going to be sitting there for two years. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so then I, I guess your thoughts are that this concept of growth hacking, which is really just like the evolution of marketing, I guess, with the yeah. digital world is really for everybody, but it's going to be different per, per brand and company just based on their circumstance. Exactly. It's, it's applicable for offline, for online. It's just seeing, okay, what is my company? What do I need to do? What is my biggest issue right now? Is it the fact that I'm not measuring? Is it the fact that I don't know my customers well enough. Is it the fact that um, I'm not sure if my product is actually what people want? And just figuring out what is actually this. Yeah, it, is it's, it all the above? <laughs> is it all the above? <laughs> you know, in some ways, we're almost business psychologists and just trying to figure out, okay, what is what are you doing right now? And how can we help you to take it to the next level? Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting to grow faster. I, I think people, you know, it's hard. To, some people make something, and if you do it right, and it's really just addressing yeah. a, a need, you'll see people will pick up on it quickly. It's easy to get feedback because people are engaged by the idea. But if it's, yeah. you know, a very sameness kind of product, um, it can be a little more difficult, and you have to get more awareness and all that kind of stuff. And so getting. I think people struggle with all those areas you mentioned, you know, is, is my copy addressing the audience? Yeah. I think I'm going, if I get, one, do I know my audience? Am I, am I correct in my audience? Do I have product <laughs> market fit? And then is my copy, which is all my landing pages and ads, all these things. Am I saying the right things? Yeah. Am I using the right language? Like there's so many layers of potential, um, you know, change or just these variables that contribute yeah. to the success. It's, it's really hard to pin down. So, I guess I'm curious how, um, which this could be a whole discussion in and of itself or another <laughs> interview, but how, wh let me ask this then. Let me ask what, what kind of tools might be available for the, you know, the bootstrapping entrepreneur to start tracking? Cause I, I think tracking metrics and understanding, you know, how to really look at this data in a way that they can understand and make decisions based on it. 
I think people are confused. Like we all know Google Analytics, but I don't think yeah. people really know how to use Google Analytics that well. <laughs> you know, so are there tools out there that make it easier for people and stuff like that? Uh, I love that question because I think it's always really, um, you know, everyone says they want to track things, but they're never really sure how to. And again, like you said, this could be a whole discussion in yeah. itself. I wrote a blog post not too long ago um, that's not even on the blog yet. And I'm just like, okay, what can you do with these different tools? And also another one on just when you aren't big enough, because um, these entrepreneurs, they often don't have big enough t traffic to even be able to properly test. Yeah. Um, and exactly. so, yeah. So uh, one of my... Uh, but the first thing I would say is uh, Hotjar. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I have. Uh, you know, somebody, I, yeah. I spoke to a consultant once for some copywriting, and she mentioned yeah. Hotjar, and I totally forgot, and now you just reminded me. So I need to look yeah. that up. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is an awesome tool for entrepreneurs. Uh, firstly, because it's free. Uh, the free so, version is already absolutely amazing. Nice. And then the paid version is like nine euros a month, basically. Very cool. Um, Great. And it's a seven-in-one tool, and the two tools that I think every single website should have, and it's really great if you don't have the traffic to actually do uh, proper analysis, is, is uh, heat maps. So actually having maps from uh, being able to see how far are people scrolling, what are people focusing on, yeah. and how are people using your websites, and also user recordings, actually getting to see how people are going about with your website and what are the issues. And you'll know what the issues are when you see someone just completely frustrated, clicking a million times on something, and it's clearly not doing what they want to. Right, right. Um, so I would say that's definitely a really, really great tool for um, uh, every single entrepreneur. When, like you said, with Google Analytics, everyone has it, but almost no one uses it properly. Yeah. Um, Annie Cushing is really the go-to person uh, for Google Analytics and figuring out how to uh, basically install your Google Analytics properly. We use a uh, audit from hers at the beginning with every single customer to try and figure out from are they using it properly. Um, Wait, who did, you, did you say a person? Annie name? Cushing. Yeah, Annie Cushing. Annie. I'm going to try to look her up right now. Annie. What? How do you spell that last name? I think it's C-U-S-H-I-N-G. Oh, here, Annie Cushing. She came up. Yeah. So this is she's like yeah. a consultant or something? Um, yeah, so I've seen her talk at an uh, event recently. Uh, she basically consults on just analytics. I see. That's her. the thing. Yep, yep. analytics and, is her website. So it's yeah. just Annie, her name, yeah. Annie, and then Lytics. So AnnieLytics.com. That's cool. <laughs> That's clever. <laughs> <laughs> and she has a Google Analytics audit uh, that we use with all our clients at the beginning. And it's like over 50 points from checking from, okay, are they actually using their analytics properly? And um, so... The biggest thing uh, I see people not doing is just even just it's super simple, but just setting those goals. Yeah, exactly. Just... It, I, yes. <laughs> I had to hire someone to set damn goals in you know Google. I was like, I just don't get it. Yeah. yeah, because that's the issue is that if you don't have a thank you page or something, you might actually have to event track. And that's also something that we do for a lot of clients is actually tracking those events so you know how many people are actually clicking on different buttons and how many people are actually, uh, um, yeah, how people are actually interacting with your website. Are they actually watching the videos and whatnot? Um, and then, yeah, if you have that as one of your goals, then you first need to event track and then set the goal. Yeah. So that's where it can be a bit tricky. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's definitely uh, a really important part. And um, also actually uh, just 
um, the acquisitions within the channels, uh, people aren't actually uh, building UTMs. Um, so building specific links for their campaigns. Like link tracking. So yeah. Yeah. So they are they aren't able to see it in the analytics. What are my different uh, campaigns doing? What are my different posts doing? Um, and most importantly, uh, I would say if you if you're going to use UTMs for anything, if you you know if you don't want to do it for everything else, leave it. And this is something that I talked to uh, Annie about actually a few weeks ago. Um, at least do email. At least track email because email it just goes under referral. It just goes under direct. It just gets completely lost, and you have no idea what your email is doing. Yeah, I mean, except in yeah. your, you know, I guess. Well, so it depends. So, like, would you say? Because if you look like I use Aweber, but they t- they yeah. tell me like what what links are being clicked and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, but you know what's happening before, but you don't know what's happening on your website. Oh, right. Once they get there, yeah. right? Track. Yeah, exactly. Yes, so. Yes, yes. Are people actually purchasing because of my email? Mm-hmm. And email mm-hmm. ends up just being completely unappreciated, and you just see the tip of the iceberg, but you don't see everything else that email is actually doing for you. Uh, yeah. Because if there's, yeah, if there's one thing that I would say for every company is just send more email. Because it's, <laughs> it's an amazing. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of Delaquist. Uh, uh, no, no. He's basically the email god, <laughs> and. Um, it's for new customers, for uh, existing clients, it's such an important interaction. Even if they're not opening those emails, they're see, still seeing your brand. Right. And they're seeing again and again. Um, and it can be an amazing, yeah. yeah. And what was and his name? Della Quist. Della. So D E L A. And then uh, his surname is Q U I S T. And he actually talked at the same conference as Annie did. Um, and especially, you know, when it comes to entrepreneurs, email is so cheap. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. such a cheap channel. Um, and he, he he basically showed from his data that it didn't matter uh, how much email you send, that we focus on the wrong metrics, we focus on opening rates. And yes, if you send more emails, your opening rates will go down. But your overall openings uh, of those emails, the overall amount of time people see your uh, emails and actually are purchasing will go up. Right, right. Interesting. These are all good tips. Um, I love the conversation. So, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. So we're at, we're kind of at our marker here. And I want to give you an opportunity to just, uh, I think we've already given the shout out, but, um, you know, just to give any shout outs on how people can connect with you guys and get started. Um, if there's anything outside, I guess, rockboost.com. But I think that's your primary focus right now, right? <laughs> Um, well, then I would go back to email and say uh, sign up for our e- uh, email list uh, because we send out a growth hacking tip every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are small bite-sized things that you can use for your company. Um, so just like what I've been telling before about uh, analytics, email, that kind of stuff, there's loads of great stuff for entrepreneurs that's worth checking out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, for the people in Holland, we have workshops here. And for the people outside of Holland... Uh, we're going to be having an online course uh, soon uh, and we're going to try and make that as affordable as possible so that lots more people can learn about growth hacking. I love it. Yep, I am signed up on your email. I love what you guys are doing. So I appreciate you taking the time to to chat and share all these great insights. Um, listen, if you, uh, you know where to reach me if you ever need anything. Otherwise, I'm going to let you go and we'll catch up soon. 
Great. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Daphne. Bye. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play. Or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.